1: I think I'm entitled You Want I Want the Truth! You can't handle the truth.
2: Hello again free thinkers and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project Podcast. My name is Jason Bassler and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor-in-chief Matt Agarist. So about a month ago was the one-year anniversary for the death of the hero Johnny Hurley and we made several posts to commiserate and keep his story alive. Well, one of those posts reached Brent, who is the co-founder of the Friends of Johnny Hurley Foundation, who had reached out to us to ask if we could use our platform to discuss Johnny's story and case with a little more detail. We agreed, and the rest is recorded on this podcast. I hope you enjoy, and I hope this inspires you to help us keep Johnny's story alive. Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast, Brent. We appreciate you making some time to join us today to talk about someone who exemplified extreme bravery in the face of danger, somebody who risked his life to save others, and somebody who's undoubtedly a hero. And you are here today representing the Johnny Hurley Foundation. We're certainly excited to have you on. Now, I'll assume like most of the people who follow us know his story, but I'm going to give a quick explanation for anyone not familiar. Uh, Basically, Johnny Hurley was a libertarian anarchist who was very much involved with his community. He was an activist who practiced what he preached, so much so that it tragically led to his demise. Johnny practiced his Second Amendment right regularly, including the same day when he happened to hear a mass shooting taking place. Johnny stopped what he was doing, ran into danger, used his legal firearm to eliminate the threat. But after he had killed the shooter who had just killed a cop, and sprayed several shots into a nearby business. Arvada police claimed Johnny was holding the gunman's AR, and the officer who arrived to the scene shot and killed Johnny, thinking he was the gunman. So obviously, there's a lot to this story, and I wanted to get into every relevant detail. But first, I just wanted to ask you if you could introduce yourself, uh, your relation to Johnny, and what the objective of your foundation is
1: absolutely thank you guys so much for having uh, for shining light on johnny's story and uh, having me on today my name is brent kaufman uh many people know me as Brent md johnny uh did as well and um and yeah the friends of johnny hurley foundation uh, was started once um we realized that things weren't that justice wasn't prevailing um I don't even know what that means, really. But, um, you know, w- they weren't really giving us a whole lot of information. And at first we just wanted to learn the truth and um, at the same time figure out how to make the community safer and stronger because, you know, exercising our constitutional right to protect ourselves and each other, Johnny was, was, uh, was killed. So, um, you know, we, I, I want to make sure that that never happens again because obviously we can't change the tragic uh, turn of events. So, um, we, I'm doing my best to learn as much as possible through, uh, really the only means necessary that we have to petition for the freedom of information act records, uh, to get us, um, through the freedom of information act. And, which is something that, you know, some of the friends of Johnny are, um, not too keen on because working with the state is something that Johnny really wasn't all about, but at the same time, he did have a concealed license. Um which means that he complied in order to legally carry and um and and carry out his uh, heroic action on june 21st of last year um and yeah we can we can talk more about the the events but that's pretty much uh what the foundation is all about and what i'm here to talk about is maybe how we can have some change
2: Absolutely, brother. So, can you explain your relation to him? Were you guys just close friends? Like, had you known him for a while? Uh, uh, what's the there? Certainly. certainly. Yeah.
1: Um, so, I, Burnt MD is a stage name. I rap and sing, and, and uh, I was initially booked for We Are Change Colorado events. Uh, the first one, I think, was the Right to Know GMO labeling event that that Bruce B threw, and um, met Johnny through going to those events and performing and there, we are change Colorado had some open mics. So I was booked to perform there and often frequented them just to take part in the community. And Johnny uh, and I became good friends. And actually uh, when he ended up taking over uh, for a bit, he booked me for a, we are change event where he had a panel of local um, I guess he called us entrepreneurs um, and put up me with a couple other girls who had businesses one was a fermentation business and uh, I forgot what the other one did but I um, have an organization called Gorilla Healer which is a charity that uh, helps patients with life-threatening ailments low-income patients to, to get uh, to learn how to apply cannabinoid therapy and get resources and all these things so Johnny really supported me in that endeavor and also really loved my music and and was not shy about telling me that or giving me the biggest hugs I've ever received in my life every time I saw him. And he was just full of love and uh, I was full of love for him. And, 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 you know, we just really enjoyed each other um, and had a really good, you know, um, uh, free-flowing relationship in terms of what we were able to discuss, which was things we agreed upon and things we didn't agree upon. And we still loved each other. We went out and fed the homeless together. We did things that we never really spoke of, but... I will talk about now just to talk about his character and say that he was somebody who cared and he, he was a lover, not a fighter. But he did teach himself how to protect uh, because he wanted to be that protector uh, archetype and which he carried out and,
3: uh, and unfortunately was
1: shot in the back.
3: Yeah, man, he certainly was. You saw the massive outpouring of support for him after he was killed. You know, this was... Um, and it, and the the incredibly tragic irony is that you know like you said Johnny was an anarchist and it would and it ended up being the state that had killed him man <clears throat> which is uh which is just a, a really tragic irony man so did you, so i just recently learned this um when we did an update last month after the anniversary of his death was that he actually trained um to deal with mass shootings he didn't just have a concealed carry license he was Actually, you know, trained apparently better than the cops at, uh, to to stop mass shootings, and it was evident when he took off from that army surplus store that he was in and took cover behind the wall and you know quickly deployed or quickly fired two rounds and 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 took down the shooter. Um, did did you ever do anything like that with Johnny? Did you did you train with him or were you concealed carry or anything like that? Was that how big of a part of his life was that? I know it's a bunch of questions, but um, oh, how man. like. <clears throat>
1: Yeah. Go yeah ahead. Sorry. Great questions. Thank you um, for presenting them that way. You know, ultimately, he did train himself for this scenario. Um, you know, he was somebody that um, other people might have called a conspiracy theorist. You know, he believed in uh, talking about building seven of 9-11. He believed in talking about taxation as theft. He believed in talk and no masters, no slaves kind of mentality, you know, and enjoyed uh uh, people who discuss that, you know, um, like Derek Bros, and, and, uh, I know that he, he, um, him and Bruce, when they met, they hit it off because they both believe so much in freedom. And, um, you know, I can say personally that, um, you know, I've been to Johnny's house when he was throwing knives and he showed me how to throw them and I threw his knives and he was a marksman. He was really, really incredible. I have a video in slow-mo of him (laughs) hitting the target with his knife. And, um, yeah, I mean, that guy's lucky he didn't have knives on him that day because he would have had a bunch of knives in him. And, you know, ultimately, in terms of shooting, yeah, like, just, just picture the scene, right? The town square. No cars driving it. And there's... There's stores everywhere and there's restaurants. People sit out on the patios of the restaurants in the square. You know, that kind of... that. That's the scene, right? And so all of a sudden you hear a shotgun go off a couple times. And everybody ducks for cover. And Johnny runs out of the store towards danger and pending doom. And, you know, he... Um, yeah, he was that kind of guy who was like, you know, if this kind of thing is happening, which it was, it is, it it happens in society. If you look around and look at, you know, things, these kinds of things are going down. We don't know why we don't know if, uh, they're false flag attacks. We don't know if people are just going crazy. We don't know, but what we do know is that we have a responsibility to life. And that means the ability to respond And Johnny taught himself to respond and be a protector. Like I said, he was a lover, not a fighter. I never saw him put his hands up to anybody. But I did see him talk with a lot of people and and debate a lot of people. And I know that he was interested in finding out the truth. So he was the only one. Maybe there was one other guy that ran out of the store with him. But nobody knows what happened to that guy. So Johnny was the guy who who ran into danger. And, you know, he fired off, I believe it was six shots. um, And he hit every everyone and the guy was wearing a bulletproof vest the 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 murderer who Mm -hmm. shot a police officer and killed him he was wearing a bulletproof vest and johnny still took him out and yeah i think that johnny was the soundest mind on the scene that day and you know we can talk more about the the events if you want to like really get into it but um you know i did see him uh throw knives and i i did know that he was um training and and um And that he really, really, really cared. The last time I saw him was at, um, it was at, I don't want to call it a protest, but it was during all the BLM protests that were going on. And there was a lot of stuff happening, a lot of action happening in Denver. And during this time, there was a a court case that happened to um, mandate vaccines for children to uh, go into school. And you know California had already passed it and uh, it was scary for a lot of parents and uh, it was scary for a lot of parents to think that I'm going to have to shoot my kids up with a bunch of unknown substances in order for them to go to this place to learn things. I don't even really know what they're teaching them. And so you know um, when I went to this court case, there was a lot of people there and outside the, the courthouse at the state capitol in Denver. Colorado. And uh, I think RFK spoke that day there as well. And I just went, I wore a Farms Not Farm shirt. A podcast that I do is called Farms Not Farms, like Farms Not Pharmaceuticals. And um, just wanted to be a supporter of, of uh, medical sovereignty, right? And individual freedom to choose what we put in our body. And who did I see there? Johnny and Turtle and Rob and a few, a few people that were good friends of Johnny that were part of We Are Change for a long time. Um, And out of nowhere, this guy, this bearded individual runs up to me and gives me the biggest hug. And of course, it was Johnny. He kissed me on the cheek, told me he loved me. I'll I'll always remember his love and his care for people and how he showed up. And um, that's what I could say at the moment.
2: Yeah, it it seemed like he was definitely loved by the community and very active, like not somebody who sat on his hands, not somebody who just preached, you know, different types of ideologies and philosophies. But he was actually like out there trying to do it, like trying to manifest the world he wanted to see. And, uh, you know, I think that speaks so much to his character. Now, one thing that Matt did touch on that I kind of wanted to clarify a little bit just for people who aren't familiar with this story is Johnny was a devout anarchist. But the mass shooter, I guess his name was Ronald Troike, the day that he began the mass shooting earlier in the day, he had actually left a note basically saying that he was going to try to kill as many police officers as he could. And I think one of his family members happened to see it, ended up calling the cops. And so they were actually looking for this individual. So he ended up striking first. He ended up being in Old Town Arvada and killed a cop with a shotgun and ran back to his truck to get an ar-15 that he also had in his vehicle and it was at that moment when johnny actually yeah ran out of the store and uh ran towards danger and eliminated the shooter and you know i I must mention like watching that footage like it gives me chills every single time like the hair in my arms like stand up just because Um, it's like such an immense like display of of bravery. It's like most people would have ran the opposite away, away from the, the gunfire, away from the violence. And Johnny was like, no, like this is exactly what I've trained for. This is exactly why I'm here. And he didn't even hesitate, like not even for a moment. You could see the concern look on his face from the security camera footage. And he just bolted out the door straight out the door and and went straight towards the shooter. Uh, that that's pretty amazing and obviously at that point in time johnny didn't understand or know that the the shooter had planned on killing specifically cops and in fact as i had mentioned earlier in the podcast the shooter not only killed the cop but he had also sprayed some some bullets towards nearby businesses as well so there was certainly a threat to other people not just officers but johnny didn't know that he just knew that there was a mass shooting going on there was somebody acting irresponsible with a firearm he might have even seen the officer that was down as he ran up to the to the area it's it's hard to really know exactly what happened there but he still did what was right he didn't it wouldn't have been like johnny would have you know even if he had known that the, the the mass shooter was specifically targeting cops, I, I truly doubt that he would have just let it happen. You know, it seemed like he was there to do the right thing in the right moment to use his second amendment, right. To, you know, stop the the threat of violence to to more and more people. So, I mean, there's, there's just so much heroism in, in his story and uh he, I mean, were you were you there in Arvada when this all went down? I know you had mentioned before we got on the podcast so you're in uh, Acapulco right now, but like, were you actually in the city during that time period? No,
1: actually, I was also in Acapulco during that time. Um, it was a different trip, though. Uh, I found out about it. Uh, our friend Mickey, uh, Mama Mickey, she called me up and and told me the very sad news about our. Our dear friend and they did a memorial there and I wasn't, you know, I got on the phone with Bruce and, and Bruce and Johnny were really close. And, and I was like, man, I really want to come back for this memorial. And he's like, you know, that would be amazing to have you there, but it's one day and you're in Mexico. So why don't you like go heal and adventure? And, and, uh, you know, it kind of made sense. So I did that. And then when I got back to the States, um, and realized that you know not a lot of action was going on, and, and I really wanted to to know more and learn more and do something about it. I started the Friends of Johnny Hurley Foundation, so that's kind of how that all happened. And the people were talking about doing something or a foundation, or you know, um, we had all met up on Johnny's birthday and went out to eat in downtown Arvada and talked about what everybody was going to do. And so one of our friends said they wanted to make a sculpture and. Bruce said he wants to give out a Hero Hurley Award to heroes and, you know, all these all these great ideas um, that have to be enacted. And so we uh, we got to meet our prayers halfway. And 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 um, so that's that's at least what I'm doing at the moment is uh, is uh, right before I came to Mexico, I just dropped off a whole bunch of, uh, I think, to five or six different agencies in the immediate surrounding area um, to get body cam footage and all everything we can think of that wasn't in the thousand and eight page report or any other reports that we read or were given um just really need to learn about you know and there's there's a lot of unknowns there's a lot of mysteries there's a lot of um there's there's a few eyebrow razors um uh and you know there's there's um a conspiracy theory within this whole thing too because apparently the same day or the next day biden was supposed to in colorado give a speech about uh, guns or, or, or assault rifles or something like that and apparently um it didn't really get to happen the same way because johnny was the hero and not and not the villain but i don't know if that was connected or not it's just uh, uh, you know a fact on the timeline that's
3: important to observe yeah i heard that same thing man and um we could even draw a parallel between this and the uvalde shooting where the cops were armed in bulletproof vests and they didn't engage they stayed they, they didn't do anything they were around there they knew who they were looking for they had a description of them and they didn't go out there until after um johnny stopped the shooter <laughs> like they just they kind of cowered and didn't do anything even though there was them that was under attack you know i mean i guess the the troikey was going to shoot other people too but
1: so thank you under
3: attack and yeah they didn't they stood back which is why kathleen boleyn johnny's mom is uh filed a lawsuit last month you know because the the not 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 to mention all the other stuff that you just said you know about all the cover-ups and the failure to release all the videos and everything but uh the fact that that Cops didn't even respond until Johnny had disabled, you know, taken out the shooter. The threat was gone, and then they killed him. Do you uh, do you work with Kathleen at all in um in the the Johnny Hurley Foundation? Um, so the answer is no. She's okay.
1: doing her own civil case, okay, in which I'm not allowed to know anything about because any information that I get through the foundation, I have to be able to prove that I got it through legal ways. And not through her case uh. and so um, you know we uh, we uh we have spoken we have had uh you know coffee and and she's an amazing woman man oh my god um the 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 kind of healing that she is doing and has done already she's going to be a force for other mothers or parents or people out there um and i pray that johnny's sister uh um continues to heal as well and and can be the same force or stronger um and you know she there's a lot of grieving going on for for people still and of course this process being dragged out doesn't make it any easier um and yeah june 22nd the day after we we uh memorialized johnny's um uh, heroic day of death um they filed the lawsuit so um, you know, that is happening and, uh, and it's a civil thing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, God willing, uh, Johnny's estate will get a bunch of money. Um, but I don't think that we're going to have change from, from this particular event, um, directly. Um, it could be a catalyst for change to happen though. Any change that, I, as I, as I understand it, and I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a politician or anything, but I have stepped up at different times to, to the political arena for things that I care about, like, um, cannabis caregiving and, uh, you know, forced vaccinations or, um, and children or, or this. And so I, um, have sp- spoke with the police. I've spoke with the city council, um, you know, and, um, there's, there's, There's a recourse that we have as an American citizen that the system gives us to use against the system, so to speak, checks and balances. Right. And who's going to do that? So it's not going to happen if we don't do it. And so that's the whole thing about responsibility is like if I sit around and I want something to happen and I wait for it to happen, well, it's probably not going to happen unless I do it. And how many of us are actually doing things rather than just talking about it? You know, Johnny was on Facebook a lot and online a lot talking a lot of shit, and a lot of people like, oh, you're a keyboard warrior, but they didn't know that he was putting on community events and open mics and cooking for the homeless, and, and that's what he did with his life all day, every day. They didn't know that stuff, so it doesn't really, you know, what what does matter is, like, um, opening up a window and shining light so that these things can live. What was in the dark can live, and, you know, it's true that, that um, you know, just backpedaling a little bit, that Troiki went to the or at least what we're told is that there was a note and that he went there that day to kill the police. I saw a video with him and those same police officers, those three officers that were in the building hiding while Johnny was out there shooting this guy. I saw a video with Troiki and him uh, from Troiki's cell phone. Um, it happened the week before. So it's, it's, it's interesting that Troiki went there to kill these police officers, these three police officers, and especially the one that shot Johnny he was the one that was speaking with Troiki on the camera. So what? it was really interesting. Really? Um, Craig Brownlow,
3: there's a video of Craig, Officer Craig Brownlow. That's the cop who killed Johnny. There's a video of him talking to Troiki.
1: Yeah, so check it out. The <laughs> week before, so Troiki was really mad. What, or, 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 I don't fucking know him. So let me say what I read. What I read is Troiki was really upset that Elijah McClain was murdered by the police. Uh, or elijah mccain or i think mccain or mclean mclean excuse me yeah, elijah right. mclean was for anybody who doesn't know he was a beautiful young boy who was on the spectrum the autistic spectrum who maybe a year or two before that was murdered brutally in aurora colorado where i have lived and have experienced the aggressiveness of the police there um and he was walking home from getting candy and they stopped him uh, for no reason at all. And he wasn't very verbal with them. Because he was on the autistic spectrum. And they ultimately. Shot him up with so much ketamine. They killed him. And so. M- any person in their right mind. Would be really distraught about that. It's it's sickening. I, I, I'm i nauseous right now. Just thinking and talking about it. Yes, um, Troiki murder. was. Uh, I mean let's be honest. He was off his rocker. And that that uh, triggered him to weaponize where he was already not a fan of the police through different interactions that he had with them, different times he was pulled over and whatnot. And, and, um, you know, so when on the camera, he was talking to the police, he was saying, you guys are sovereign beings. And what are you doing messing with this man? The whole sovereign thing was really interesting. I don't know why he was using that word because maybe he was just saying that they don't have to follow this, you know, um, rule mindset that they need to oppress others because they're sovereign beings. Maybe that's what he meant. I don't know. I've only thought of that now, but that's what he was saying to them and they were arresting somebody. So Troiki was like giving them shit that he, they were arresting this person. They were like, he was like, leaving him alone. But turns out the guy they were arresting was warrant, had a warrant for him for sexual assault or something like that. Something not good. So I guess, you know, that guy maybe needed to be talked to, but Troiki got really upset about this whole thing and he didn't know what was going on. So that happened a week before. And then, yeah, apparently he called his sister and said some crazy shit. So she called or she called the brother or or the brother called the sister or something like that and said, Ronald's, you know, um, insane. And for some reason they called the police and said that, you know, he has guns and he's off his rocker.
3: All right. Well, we actually pulled up that video of Troy talking to the cop who shot Johnny Hurley, Officer Craig Brownlow, uh, two weeks before uh, he went on that shooting spree. And it was on June 7th. And so just like all the other shooters in the, you know, and we're not all of them, but many of the other shooters in all these scenarios, Troikey was also quotes, air quotes known to the police uh, before this shooting. So here it goes.
0: You'll know it when I ask you for it. I'm going to film you guys, okay? Okay? Because you're sovereign citizens. That's why I'm filming you. Every movement a sovereign citizen makes, every word they speak needs to be filmed because you guys are terrible people, man. Not all of you are, but there's too many that are no good, so we have to assume all of you are bad. And I figured that would be fine. Don't speak to me, Bill. No more conference. That don't mean nothing. Everything disappears. You guys don't have body cams. Why is that? are you guys special yeah well you, you, you've waited too long for that okay you're sovereign citizens there's no better way to explain a police officer these are sovereign citizens i've seen it with my own eyes these do all the things the people you don't want done to yourself and we're supposed to appreciate your kind right No, i know not all of these are bad but there's too many that shouldn't be a police officer okay and if you don't agree with me you're brainwashed a lot of these are brainwashed what no, I'm gonna I'm gonna foil that. If that's your
3: personal phone, is that a is that a company? I'm gonna foil request that. Okay. There you have it. He, he wasn't making any sense. He was talking in loops. Um, it's it's really crazy. Um, but we uh, we had we had <clears throat> lost our guest for a minute, but he is back now. So we're gonna add him back. And um, and here we go.
2: Where did I drop? You know. I think you were saying that um, he mm-hmm. was basically off his rocker and he had guns i think maybe he was uh you were talking about his sister calling the cops um
1: they called the police this the family called the police to do a welfare check and it's really interesting that the the police officer who showed up to do the welfare check was the one that troiki murdered i don't know how um troiki caught up with him at first we thought maybe you know it seemed like all these mysteries that don't add up Maybe this was a conspiracy theory, you know, Um, something to look at to just learn more because it it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. How how is the guy who went to do a welfare check on this man, the one that the guy killed? And 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 really, like a lot of people don't know that Beasley actually showed up to the town square on a different call. He went there because some uh, teenage girls called the police on a transient man that was showing them condoms. So they just showed up there. Beasley was not the officer that wanted to arrest people or write tickets. He was the kind of like, um, hey, what's up, man? Like, everything's cool kind of guy. He was a drummer. You know, they said that he he was like the cool officer, you know. Um, so they had him out doing the welfare checks and doing the community checks. The three officers that were hiding in the building, um, they were also there. Uh, that was a substation. So it wasn't like a known police station, but they did have police cars outside. That's what Troiki shot at. He didn't necessarily shoot into the marketplace. He shot, when he shot, uh, officer Beasley, he used a shotgun. So his buckshot went around, you know, he wasn't like five feet from him. He was like 20 feet from him. So his buckshot scattered and it hit a woman who was eating on the patio in the, in the town square And then he went, Troiki went over and shot out car windows of the, uh, patrol cars to basically bait the officers to come out because he knew they were in there because he, you know, you just saw that video. So, um, and he saw their cars there. So yeah, he, um, and the officers didn't engage because they were trained not to initially engage. They saw they, you were right. They had a physical description of them, not through the radio. But through because they weren't by one of the guys was by the radio or by the phone. Um, The other two guys were by the door and the guy who was by the phone initially went out to try to go around the building. But he says the door was locked. So he wasn't a coward. He tried to go ambush the shooter, but apparently his 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 way was locked and then he went back into the office to look out the window. Um, The other two officers went and did hide and, you know call it what you want. They didn't engage. And they said that uh, Brownlow said that he didn't engage because he thought that the shooter's weapon would have breached, would have penetrated the door he was behind. So he felt unsafe and he was trained to first take an ambush position and then stop the killing before you start the healing. So he literally was pat on the back they say they would hire him back in a moment because he resigned and they are okay with their protocols, um, that have killed more than just Johnny. Um, an Arvada police officer was shot by an Arvada police officer after this. Um, and you know, so their shoot first, ask questions later protocol that they pat on the back is very dangerous for innocent people. And so that's what the friends of Johnny Hurley foundation wants to heal. In uh, and and address, you know, because Johnny had a constitutional right to protect himself, to protect the police, to protect the town square, and to take out the shooter with equal force and force that he was legally allowed to carry. And so they say that he was that Br- Officer Brownlow was legally justified in using lethal force because of the. Facts of the moment. The facts of the moment that he saw a man with a gun. He said he saw Johnny with two guns. He was holstering one and doing something with the other. The eyewitness, if you watch the video of Officer Beasley getting shot, there were two, a man and a woman, walking by Troiki. Troiki passed them and then shot the officer. Then those two people ran. The woman ran forward and the guy hid behind a car. That guy was an eyewitness to everything. He saw Johnny come up. He said he saw, he thought Johnny, he didn't know who he was at first, and then he saw that he was a friend. And so he knew right away that Johnny was there to help. He saw Johnny take out the shooter. shooter. He saw Johnny pick up the AR. He says he saw Johnny take out the cartridge. So if the eyewitness saw Johnny take out the cartridge and Officer Brownlow waited 11 seconds before he actually fired upon Johnny, shooting him in the back with a hollow tip point, did he see Johnny take out the cartridge? Did he know what Johnny was even doing? And if Johnny actually took out the cartridge, was he justified in making his choice to kill Johnny when Johnny was taking out the cartridge? If all he had to do was wait maybe a moment longer to to analyze the scene before he shot his weapon that he knew had lethal force in it because he put hollow tip bullets in it, well then like how why does the department Pat him on the back and say we'd hire him back in a second. Why are these protocols being put on a pedestal and saying this is what's protecting the community when it's clearly harming the community? I don't know. And yeah. I just want to have that conversation. And so that's thank you guys for having the conversation. Like it just takes a little bit of light, a little bit of care to show humanity. That's what Johnny did that day. He showed his humanity, he didn't show that he didn't like cops. He didn't show that he didn't like the abusive authority. He showed that he loved people.
2: Right. And he would do the right thing. And he in loved that life.
3: Moment. Yeah. And
2: he didn't yeah. even fit the
3: description of the shooter. That's what's so no. like they were completely opposite. They saw the no? shooter. You're
1: right. They saw <clears> him twice. <throat> they saw the shooter was a different body build. If you look at the shooter and if you look at Johnny, they're drastically different. That's why Johnny's mother says there's no way somebody in their right mind could mistake them. And here's the thing. Brownlow first says he didn't know if Troiky changed his clothes. Now let's think about that for a moment. In the heat of the moment, okay, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I have to wait another moment before I kill somebody. Um, in the heat of the moment, well, let's just think about it. Troiky was wearing shorts and a hoodie. It would have been really hard for in the time that took place that that, that, that uh, passed For him to take off his shorts, put on tight blue jeans, lose a little bit of weight, uh, grow a beard, and all these things, you know? And, um, like, you know, it was just, it was a different person. And so then he says, maybe it was a second shooter. But if you read the transcript of the interview with Brownlow, here's something probably nobody knows yet. (laughs) The first part of the interview, the interviewer says, we know... You spoke to your girlfriend. Here's another piece of information. The Brownlow interview didn't happen for two days. Two or three days later, they interviewed him. The other officers on the scene got interviewed that day. Apparently, somebody tells me they normally don't interview the officer that day. And so, you know, I don't know why or what the rhyme or reason, but he, Brownlow, had the ability to learn information before he was, uh you know, interviewed. And so oh, yeah. like that could potentially help him doctor his testimony. And he He's wasn't even uh, put on the stand ever. And at this point he won't be unless a grand jury convenes or somehow through the systems uh, chain of re- recourse uh, potential that we can um, shut shine enough light on on what, might need to be changed or what needs to be changed. And that can only happen through working with the system to get these, um, you know, records, to get the, uh, the, the body cam footage, to get the, like, do you know that there were COVID protocols put in place probably a month before that, that made it so that you could not get an ambulance over to where Johnny was. So they had to carry Johnny's body over to the ambulance because of that protocol. They could not get the ambulance through the town to get to Johnny. That's really weird because the year before that they would have been able to. And so, you know, there's just a lot of unknowns and a lot of mysteries. Um, There was a helicopter that came down. It was called off because the officer didn't need it. Johnny needed it, but they didn't use it. They, in fact, had to carry him to the ambulance after they called it off. There's a lot of crap, right? um that we need to use as fertilizer to grow way more fruitful and safeguarding for the
3: people and for the like that standard procedure how they didn't question uh brown though for the you know for two or three days that's sometimes it's even longer than that and they'll tell like when an officer is involved in a shooting we've you know this has been captured on multiple body cams over and over and over again throughout I mean, for the, the years that we've been doing this where the officers fellow cops come up and you know he just killed somebody who might have been unarmed and like just shut up don't say anything you know and then they're they're allowed to decompress get all the facts and then then form a a statement you know so and that's what that's exactly what brownlow did and that's why the district attorney alexis king cleared him you know and and said that uh based on uh surveillance video and other evidence that this officer believed he had reasonable reasonable grounds to believe that john hurley was a second mass shooter and that surveillance video that they they claim justifies this action all of it has been released except for the part that they claim justifies this action now if you want to if you know if you want to talk about transparency and conspiracies and everything like that then why haven't they released that fucking 30 seconds of footage that allegedly shows the reason that Brownlow gave to shoot johnny hurley in the back why why won't they release that
1: Nothing what footage hide?
3: is that it's the surveillance video so there's a they they've blocked it out there's there's about 30 seconds of it that's not been released that actually where because okay. there were cameras on the spot where um when johnny was uh un- unloading the uh, Tro- troiki's uh rifle and mm-hmm. they haven't released that they they, they okay. show justifies or shows hurley manipulating the um the the weapon you know where they perceived him as a second mass shooter there's Mm -hmm. they released all the other video except for that and um our friend Ford fisher i'm sure you you probably know who he is or or you might know him too but uh Mm -hmm. he did a little documentary on that and he pointed out the exact same thing and and this has been over a year and that that one snippet of video where it allegedly shows you know the reason for brownlow to perceive hurley as a threat it's it's still missing and they could easily lay waste, you know, late uh, not waste, but they could, they could easily quell a lot of these, you know, a lot of this concern and conspiracy theories going off. They just released that and show us, you know,
1: so but, check it out. One mm-hmm. of the actions of the foundation to, you know, how tricky in that video is like, I'm going to FOIA that. So that's what we're doing. We're FOIA requesting, the FOIA is the freedom of information act. We're requesting right. these records because they're public, but they have to be requested in a formal way. And, even paid for unless there's a court order so currently there's thousands and thousands of dollars that we're going to have to spend if we want to get this information which is ridiculous and if anybody wants to support you can go to herohurley.org and donate and support our ability to you know unfortunately uh pay these people to find out what happened to johnny and that's just what we have to do there's no other way to go about it right now because because alexis king uh, the da uh, justified his lethal force. So let's just say for a moment, if we, if we can, that the DA Alexis King is the nicest, sweetest, most kind hearted, uh, uh, righteous person, and that she will do the right thing 100% of the time. I don't know her. I don't know if that's true or not. Let's just say, hypothetically, this is the case. All she needed to say that Brownlow had lethal force, that he was justified. Was if it there's a reason, if there's reasonable suspicion, that's it. Not that he actually thought that, but that somebody could think that. And if there's a possibility that it's, it's, uh, you know, on the fence, that's enough. And that's, and 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 that's why she had to say, okay, he had justification to use lethal force because that's what they're trained to do. And so, you know. I don't, I just want to say this because, um, objectively the courtroom doesn't always give us what we want. And that's, you know, um, because they have to follow to a T these imperfect words, you know, that don't always take into account all the unknowns, you know? Um, and so I just I just want to humanize this scenario for a minute because we really don't know. And I do know that there is a camera on the building for where the police, um, like right next door, there's this, an adjacent building. There's a camera that's pointing to where Johnny was. They tell me it's a dummy camera. They also tell me that all these cameras are on timers to go to different areas or something like that so that it's not guaranteed that we're going to see any specific location for a specific amount of, for, for like as long as we want. And so one of the, one of the actions that we're doing to file requests for what types of cameras these are um, as well as all the footage so that we know how the cameras actually work because they're not telling us the things we want to know just off of a conversation. You know, we have to pay to find all this stuff out. So like you, I want to know, um and that's why I asked specifically which, which you were talking about, just so I could kind of be on the same page with you for a moment, because there there are gaps in uh in 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 the timeline uh in terms of visual transparency. And you know, Alexis King even made as a part of our request to sit down and speak with them, instead of sitting down to speak with us, she made a virtual um uh Virtual symposium—I uh, don't know what you call it—but she let people put uh, submit questions, to which I did, and uh, my question was, "Will you sit down with us <laughs> to speak about this?" Um, which she didn't do um, or hasn't done. I would love for, if you're listening, please let's just have a conversation about uh, how we can, uh, you know, make the community safer and stronger together, whatever that looks like. Um, but you know, it was a short, um, not conversation. She just answered some questions that she picked and choose and chose, um, and basically spoke about why it was an objective choice. It wasn't personal. She believes Johnny was a hero and, you know, maybe this is how she just has to say face and protect her job, or maybe she can't get too personal. Maybe, you know, there, there's legal, uh, aspects that make it so that we can all sit down to have a kumbaya and 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 find healing. I don't really know, you know. Um I do know that these people these people uh, you know are um where are their constituents and it would be really um fair if we can come to the table and uh and 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 work together. Um and you know I know that towns have town meetings and I know that you know, they provide certain ways um, to uh, address these kinds of things, but obviously that's not working right now because Johnny's dead. And so something has to change right now, right?
2: Yeah, I think between, you know, King kind of uh, dropping the ball as far as answering the community's questions and the, the lack of the release of the surveillance footage, I mean, both of those things kind of point to a scenario that doesn't look so great for the Arvada police department and especially officer Craig Brownlow. But uh, you know, we've touched on a lot. One thing I just read though, was that um, Brownlow actually watched Hurley for 11 seconds before opening fire. And he did so without any type of warning, which is usually part of the policy uh, for any police department before they, you know, shoot a taser before they, Uh, fire a weapon of any sort. So I think that's definitely um, something of concern there. And it it also is something that apparently concerned Johnny's mom uh, from what the article says. And apparently that wasn't, you know, there was nothing, no acknowledgement whatsoever um, by uh, the DA or the department, the police department, uh, which is quite frustrating. Now, do you think that we're ever going to be able to find that footage Or do you think, as you said, it just doesn't exist uh, because there were dummy cameras? Or does the police department actually have it and they're just not releasing it?
1: Well, Arvada police have not yet uh, incorporated body cams. So the body cams that I'm seeking are from the surrounding forces that showed up. Um, The reason why Brownlow was able to shoot without making himself known is because Supreme Court versus Garner. Garner versus Supreme Court says that they don't have to announce themselves federally. And so, um, maybe that was part of the, the part where I was, where I was cut off, but, um, yeah, he watched Johnny for 11 seconds. There was an eyewitness. Did did you hear me talk about the eyewitness?
3: Yes, we did. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: So awesome. So yeah, like the eyewitness saw Johnny take the cartridge out. Brownlow watched Johnny for 11 seconds before he engaged. Um, he obviously did not have enough viable information to make the correct decision. He had enough supposed information to make the wrong decision in which he was justified in doing. And so that's a huge problem, isn't it?
3: Certainly, man. And like, as Johnny's attorney said that, or, um, Kathleen's attorney said, you know, if they simply would have said police, he'd be here today because he wouldn't have, you know, he would have dropped everything immediately. You know, he just that, like he was that that was his training. That's what he was there to do. And and all they had to do was say that, say that. And that was Not it. only that, why did Johnny pick
1: up the A.R.? Well, why did Johnny shoot Troiki? Well, the people who were paid to do so didn't do it. And they mm-hmm. needed Johnny to do it. Because if they, Johnny didn't do that, they would have had their fears play out and Troiki would have shot at them, which they were hiding from, right? So in my opinion, am my, I, in my, call it humble or not so humble, in my opinion, they forced Johnny's hand. Johnny was trained as a responsible citizen to protect the community and because there were no uh, men or women in blue on the scene, Johnny had to continue to take steps to make the scene safer for everyone in the town square. And what did Johnny do? He responsibly, responsibly, responsibly and responsibly took that, um, hot weapon. If anybody knows about an AR or an AK, which I don't know if Johnny knew if it was an AR or an AK right up front, but they know that, you know, that those weapons specifically when they're hot, they might even fire. Um, so you have to disarm them. And so, if somebody was there to do so, I'm sure Johnny would have let them do it. But nobody was there to take out Troiki. Nobody was there to dis- to make the, the community safer from that hot weapon laying on the ground after he shot Troiki. And so Johnny took that hot weapon away from the town square into a place that Brownlow felt safe shooting Johnny because Johnny was surrounded by concrete walls. So Johnny went into the safest place possible turned his back from the marketplace, and disarmed the weapon. Now, what people also don't know is that Brownlow was under a little bit more heat, because he knew in that same alleyway, in a a building that inside a building, it wasn't really shown, there's no real signs, but there's a school in there for kids. And like, it might even be a nursery school or something. But so, he had a lot of pressure in those 11 seconds, in the 30, in the two minutes that this all happened. We don't know everything that was going in his mind, but he had a lot of responsibility and obviously a lot of fear. And so, you know, just to humanize him for a moment, because Johnny humanized Beasley, you know, and, and took out um, Troiki. It's I, I think uh, most people don't know what we would do if we were in that hot seat. You know, and as much training as somebody can get, they still might mess up, you know. And um, it's it's very unfortunate that he didn't wait another moment to find out
3: what he needed to. Yeah. (laughs) And we lost a hero because of it. Yeah. I mean, he was a living legend, but now he's a hero. And
1: God willing, we'll learn from this and be able to, like I said, when we first started, make change and what does change look like the community being safer and stronger what does that look like individuals knowing how to protect ourselves individuals knowing how to be uh like johnny did something called the love police that he saw somebody else do i don't i don't know the person's name started the love police but he basically just went around and and um gave out free hugs and, and shared love with the community you know he was that kind of person and so um to be a de-escalator. You know, I think it's something that I want to see the friends of Found- friends of Johnny Hurley Foundation start cultivating, training people how to de-escalate situations, training people how to be uh, more prepared for um, tragedy. You know, because unfortunately, uh, or well, fortunately, we have the ability to prepare for um, things in life, and an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of the cure. So, if we can start putting out, uh, you know more prepared people into the, into the community, the community will be a little stronger. If we can s- start addressing these unsafe protocols, then, you know, God willing, the community will be a little safer. And, um, you know, I, I would really like to, to see that happen. And, and, um, especially, um, you know, simultaneously we're working towards learning about how to find justice for this. So, like I said, if you want to donate towards our, our ability to, to pay all these fees, you can go to herohurley.org. Check out Ford Fisher's documentary, which is right there on the homepage, as well as uh, um, the donation link there. And sometimes we have community events um, surrounding the Johnny Hurley uh, um, story. We, we've done some uh, some uh, a memorial. We went to the DA's office a few times and and had uh, prayers outside there. And, and you know, so we post those events there on hero, herohurley.org as well.
3: All those links are going to be in the podcast description, so we're going to. Uh, oh, thank you so much. To, oh, yeah, of course, man. Is there? A, who else works with the uh, Friends of Johnny Hurley Foundation with you? Is this just you?
1: <laughs> well, um, I like to say I co-founded it because so many people really care. But ultimately, I founded it. Who have I been working with? Um, Elias Clay has been integral in uh, in um, seeking truth. Um, uh, many people have supported the foundation in other ways as well, in terms of showing up when, uh, when we, um, showed up to the DA's office with signs. Um, and, uh, you know, Johnny's sister has been very supportive, although she has had to be you know, we have to have a distinction because of their case,
3: the uh, the family's
1: case. Also, you know, uh, we are changed. Colorado is huge supporters. Um, but also has to be a distinction in my opinion, because they have their own, um, uh, they have their own reputation, so to speak, or journey, so to speak. And this is a little bit different. Um, and so the friends of Johnny Hurley foundation is specifically for, um, you know, seeking justice and making the community safer and stronger, um, through, um, you know, like I said, uh, um, training and and even community events like Johnny was all about. Um, and these other organizations or, 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 supporters still exist. Also, one thing I just want to say real quick, if I could, the police, what, what motive did they have for not sharing some of the Johnny footage? probably the same motive they had for calling me up the day before we did Johnny's memorial asking me what to expect and telling me that they weren't no longer showing up with wreaths for Johnny and Officer Beasley because they didn't think it was safe for them to or the community to and it was a really eye-opening experience to receive a call from the police uh telling me that they weren't going to show up any longer so apparently or not apparently they were going to show up and place a wreath for Officer Beasley uh, at the time of his death, and place one for Johnny at the time of his death, and um, because, well, well, what they told me was due to the flyer that we put out for the memorial. They said they weren't going to come anymore. I asked them to make a bridge out of it. What happened was they were. They said that our flyer was ha- contained inflammatory
3: speech. What did and it basically say? Basically, what that they, that they pointed out. What 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 was that? Um,
1: the flyer. Let's see if I can find it. It
3: basically said
1: that, um, oh, here, I can find it. It's on Instagram, the friends of Johnny Hurley, Instagram. Um, here, I'll read it uh, word for word. Remembering Johnny Hurley, a moment of silence for our hero, Tuesday, June 21st, 1.37 p.m. Join us at Old Town Nevada Square at 1 p.m. At 1:37 p.m., June 21st, 2021, Johnny Hurley was tragically shot in the back by Arvada PD after saving Old Town Arvadas, Old Town Square from an active shooter. One year to date, we remember our hero. Visit more uh, for more info. Visit HeroHurley.org. And so, yeah, they.
3: Yeah, there's nothing shot him inflammatory in back. about that. I saw that on the Friends of Johnny Hurley Foundation page. There's nothing it's, inflammatory. It's, about
1: It's a fact. You know? Yeah. What is inflammatory about it? In retrospect, and from what they said, so check it out. A lot of people don't know this, but the day after Johnny got killed, um oh, there was um, a bunch of people who were not happy. You know, a bunch of Johnny's friends were not happy. They did a, a, a vigil for him. A lot of people came out, but also something that happened was people who we actually don't even know were not connected with. And I say we as the friends of Johnny Hurley Foundation, and also. As I understand it, people that the we are Change Colorado doesn't even know, didn't and doesn't even know, um, showed up at the Arvada police station outside a whole lot of people for an open carry um, display. <laughs> so, mm. um, being that they just had one of their own murdered brutally by somebody who was upset with them about a different department, um, you know, altogether. They rightfully had fear about who was being weaponized in the community. So understanding that fact objectively, I could imagine why they thought this flyer was inflammatory. Now, at the same time, what I said to them was, hey, you know, I could see why you would think that. But it would mean a lot for you guys to show up and place a wreath for Johnny. It would mean a lot for, for us to build a bridge from this. Let's sprinkle some love on this where there's fear, and let's make change. And, you know, unfortunately, they were unwilling to do that. Um, Though, uh, um, you know, we had an amazing memorial for Johnny. A lot of people showed up. Um, There was, uh, you know, the the, uh, victim advocate officer for for the Arvada police also showed up. Um, You know, there there was a lot of outpouring of love. It was really beautiful. Um,
3: Man, yeah. I mean, he deserves it, dude what are what yeah. y'all what so what's your plans right now I know you have all the FOIA requests in for the videos and all the other information what uh, do y'all have anything on like the calendar that's coming up next or anything like that well um, you know Johnny was a big supporter of of, of what I do
1: he was mm-hmm. uh, you know my music guerrilla healer helping people um, right now I'm down here in Acapulco working on a program to um, support the feuds the food security of an orphanage. So um, I feel like Johnny would really want me to do that. And at the same time, like I said, the day before I left, I, I drove around to uh, five or six different uh, departments and and putting these requests. So for the next few months at least, I'll be around Acapulco um, looking for land to establish a farm to, um, to secure this orphanage's uh, food independence, their sovereignty. Um, and once we have enough money raised to get all the records that we need, we can um, continue our own, uh, internal investigation. And then, um, you know, really just, uh, learn cause that's the first step is just learning. I, 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 I don't know what comes next because I don't know what I'm going to learn, you know? And, um, I'm sure that there are people who are probably afraid of what I'm going to learn. And, um, but I'm going to do it, you know, and I'm thankful that Elias has helped and that other people have helped. Um, and, you know, a- also, um, like I said, I want to help the community be safer and stronger. So I'd love, so I, I'm looking forward to, um, uh, networking with, uh, with the local, um, concealed carry community, the local, uh, protector community, you know, that, that may or may not exist in its in its entirety as as one network but i'd like to um to connect us and and start offering a a program that um can train people to be de-escalators as the friends of johnny hurley to train people to you know they not everybody's going to want to learn how to protect themselves with a gun or throw a knife or not everybody's going to want to learn how to speak to somebody else and de-escalate. Some people are going to want to learn how to get other people to safety. Some people are going to want to learn how to breathe. Some people are going to want to learn how, you know, when I say breathe, I mean like how to de-stress, you know, how to de-escalate ourselves in a high pressure situation. Uh, there's so many different variables that go into um, being of sound mind in, uh, in, in, in a tough situation. And I think that we, you know, more than just going under our tables in school learning how to deal with the tragedy and when an earthquake happens we can we can like talk about these things and and um you know um it all starts with a conversation and then figuring out what's best to do and who wants to do what because in the rainbow we're all a bit of a different color
3: (laughs) certainly man and it sounds like you're directly on that path to do that and I gotta, I gotta say man I'm impressed with what you're doing Brent like this is some pretty selfless act that you're doing there are actions that you're doing with this foundation and man I hope that uh that the foundation and this lawsuit I hope you know they can move forward independently and and show the world the what actually happened and we can maybe even see some accountability you know I um uh, thank you I want to say a, uh, I want to say a quote from um, from Kathleen Boleyn Johnny's mom man that, that kind of like resonated with me with the last article that we wrote on the website it's uh it kind of like almost brought me to tears and it's uh it kind of epitomizes everything we've been talking about here today uh it'd be like a great quote to uh to wrap up on here and it's um there's pride that is mixed with grief and if you have to lose your child isn't this the way she said in a recent interview with uh Colorado Public Radio I think when I look at his life and how he was and who he was This was really him. I was the lucky one who got to be his mom.
2: Man, that is heavy. Yeah, guys. So as uh, Matt mentioned, you know, we're coming to the end here. Um, If you want to learn more about this story, as we had mentioned, Ford Fisher from news to share, did a great little mini documentary about it. Go to his YouTube channel news to share and check that out. And, uh, Yeah, just you know, thank you so much, Brent, for keeping Johnny's legacy alive, and doing a lot of this kind of difficult work, requesting the information and evidence from the local government, which I know moves at like a snail's pace. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's just hope Johnny gets justice.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, justice for Johnny Hurley would be uh, incredible. And thank you guys for shining some light on this and caring. Caring
3: means the world.
1: makes It makes our world warmer.
3: Right on, brother. We're going to have all, these, uh, all the links and everything at the bottom of this podcast. And uh, if you like what you heard, please go and rate us five stars on all those different uh, platforms you're listening on, like iTunes, um, Spotify, wherever you're listening, please give us a, a five-star rating so this information can reach more people.
1: And um, also, yeah, just thank you again to Ford Fisher and to everybody who has released information about Johnny keeping his name and his story alive. Um, so that we can learn more and so that we can know that we, we, um, you know, aside from the fact that he was, he was shot in the back and killed tragically, um, and mistakenly, um, that we can make a difference in our community and we can save the day. And with enough information, we don't have to get killed for doing it, you know, and we can go home to our families and be celebrated while we're alive. And yeah, Ford Fisher, thank you again. And. And Ford's documentary, again, is on HeroHurley.org if you have trouble finding it. But definitely check out Ford's stuff. He's he's doing the work, like you guys are. So thank you.
2: Don't forget to make those donations, guys, at HeroHurley.org. And also follow Friends of Johnny Hurley on IG. Thanks so much, Brent. Appreciate love.